Chapter Twenty Two of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two to break through the center of the etham line of fortifications and march toward the northeast along the nearest road leading to palestine had proved impossible but moses's second plan of leading the people around the migdal of the south had also been baffled for spies had reported that the garrison of the latter had been greatly strengthened then the multitude had pressed around the man of god declaring that they would rather return home with their families and appeal to pharaoh's mercy than to let themselves their wives and their families be slaughtered several days had been spent in detaining them but when other messengers brought tidings that pharaoh was approaching with a powerful army the time seemed to have come when the wanderers in the utmost peril might be forced to break through the forts and moses exerted the full might of his commanding personality Aaron, the whole power of his seductive eloquence, while old Nun and her essayed to kindle the others with their own bold spirit. But the terrible news had robbed the majority of the last vestige of self-reliance and trust in God, and they had already resolved to assure Pharaoh of their repentance, when the messengers whom, without their leader's knowledge, they had sent forth returned, announcing that the approaching army had been commanded to spare no hebrew and to show by the sharp edge of the sword even to those who sued for mercy how pharaoh punished the men by whose shameful sorcery misery and woe had come upon so many egyptians then too late they became aware that to return would ensure more speedy destruction than to boldly press forward but when the men capable of bearing arms followed her and none to the migdal of the south they turned to fly at the defiant blare of the egyptian war trumpets when they came back to the camp with weary limbs depressed and disheartened new and exaggerated reports of pharaoh's military force had reached the people and now terror and despair had taken possession of the bolder men every admonition was vain every threat derided and the rebellious people had forced their leaders to go with them till after a short march they reached the red sea whose deep green waves had forced them to pause in their southward flight so they had encamped between Pyahiroth and baal zephon and here the leaders again succeeded in turning the attention of the despairing people to the god of their fathers in the presence of sure destruction from which no human power could save them they had again learned to raise their eyes to heaven but moses's soul had once more been thrilled with anxiety and compassion for the poor sorely afflicted bands who had followed his summons during the night preceding he had climbed one of the lower peaks of baal zephon and amid the raging of the tempest and the roaring of the hissing surges sought the lord his god and felt his presence near him he too had not wearied of pleading the need of his people and adjuring him to save them at the same hour miriam the wife of her had gone to the seashore where under a solitary palm tree she addressed the same petition to her god whose trusted servant she still felt herself here she besought him to remember the women and children who trusting in him had wandered forth into distant lands she had also knelt to pray for the friend of her youth languishing in terrible captivity but had only cried in low timid accents o oh lord do not forget the hapless hosea whom at thy bidding i called joshua 
though he showed himself less obedient to thy will than moses my brother and her my husband remember also the youthful ephraim the grandson of nun thy faithful servant then she returned to the tent of the chief her husband while many a lowly man and poor anxious woman before their rude tents or on their thin tear-drenched mats uplifted their terrified souls to the god of their fathers and besought his care for those who were dearest to their hearts so in this night of utmost need the camp had become a temple in which high and low the heads of families and the housewives masters and slaves nay even the afflicted lepers sought and found their god at last the morning came on which ephraim had shouted his childish prayer amid the roaring of the storm and the waters of the sea had begun to recede when the hebrews beheld with their own eyes the miracle that the most high was working for his chosen people even the discouraged and despairing became believing and hopeful not only the ephraimites but the other tribes the foreigners and lepers felt the influence of the newly awakened joyous confidence which urged each individual to put forth all his powers to prepare for the journey and for the first time the multitude gathered and formed into ranks without strife bickering deeds of violence curses and tears after sunset moses holding his staff uplifted and aaron singing and praying entered at the head of the procession the end of the bay the storm which continued to rage with the same violence had swept the water out of it and blew the flame and smoke of the torches carried by the tribes toward the southwest the chief leaders on whom all eyes rested with trusting eagerness were followed by old nun and the ephraimites the bottom of the sea on which they trod was firm moist sand on which even the herds could walk as if it were a smooth road sloping gently toward the sea ephraim in whom the elders now saw the future chief had been entrusted at his grandfather's suggestion with the duty of seeing that the procession did not stop and for this purpose had been given a leader's staff for the fishermen whose hut stood at the foot of baal zaphon like the phoenicians believed that when the moon reached her zenith the sea would return to its old bed and therefore all delay was to be avoided the youth enjoyed the storm and when his locks fluttered and he battled victoriously against the gale in rushing hither and thither as his office required it seemed to him a foretaste of the venture he had in view so the procession moved on through the darkness which had speedily followed the dusk of evening the acrid odor of seaweed and fishes which had been left stranded pleased the boy who felt that he had matured into manhood better than the sweet fragrance of spikenard in kasana's tent once the memory of it flashed through his brain but with that exception there was not a moment during these hours which gave him time to think of her he had his hands full of work sometimes a heap of seaweed flung on the path by a wave must be removed sometimes a ram the leader of a flock refused to step on the wet sand and must be dragged forward by the horns or cattle and beasts of burden must be driven through a pool of water from which they shrank often too he was obliged to brace his shoulder against a heavily laden cart whose wheels had sunk too deeply into the soft sand and when even during this strange momentous march two bands of shepherds began to dispute about precedence close to the egyptian shore he quickly settled the dispute by making them draw lots to decide which party should go first 
two little girls who crying bitterly refused to wade through a pool of water while their mother was busy with the infant in her arms he carried with prompt decision through the shallow puddle and the cart with a broken wheel he had moved aside by the light of the torches and commanded some stalwart bondmen who were carrying only small bundles to load themselves with the sacks and bales nay even with the fragments of the vehicle he uttered a word of cheer to weeping women and children and when the light of a torch fell upon the face of a companion of his own age whose aid he hoped to obtain for the release of joshua he briefly told him that there was a bold adventure in prospect which he meant to dare in concert with him the torch-bearers who usually headed the procession this time were obliged to close its ranks for the storm raging from the northeast would have blown the smoke into the people's faces they stood on the egyptian shore and already the whole train had passed them except the lepers who following the strangers were the last of the whole multitude these strangers were a motley crew comprising asiatics of semitic blood who had escaped from the bondage or severe punishments which the egyptian law imposed traders who expected to find among the wanderers purchasers of their wares or shasu shepherds whose return was prohibited by the officials on the frontier ephraim had much trouble with them for they refused to leave the firm land until the lepers had been forced to keep farther away from them yet the youth with the aid of the elders of the tribe of benjamin who preceded them brought them also to obedience by threatening them with the prediction of the phoenicians and the fishermen that the moon when it had passed its zenith would draw the sea back to its old bed finally he persuaded the leader of the lepers who had once been an egyptian priest to keep at least half the distance demanded meanwhile the tempest had continued to blow with increasing violence and its howling and whistling blended with the roaring of the dashing waves and the menacing thunder of the surf drowned the elders shouts of command the terrified shrieks of the children the lowing and bleating of the trembling herds and the whining of the dogs ephraim's voice could be heard only by those nearest and moreover many of the torches were extinguished while others were kept burning with the utmost difficulty seeking to recover his wind and get a little rest he walked slowly for a time over the damp sand behind the last lepers when he heard someone call his name and turning he saw one of his former playmates who was returning from a reconnoitering expedition and who with the sweat pouring from his brow and panting breath shouted into the ear of the youth in whose hand he saw the staff of a leader that pharaoh's chariots were approaching at the head of his army he had left them at Pyahiroth, and if they did not stop there to give the other troops time to join them they might overtake the fugitives at any moment with these words he darted past the lepers to join the leaders but ephraim stopped in the middle of the road pressing his hand upon his brow while a new burden of care weighed heavily upon his soul he knew that the approaching army would crush the men women and children whose touching fear and helplessness he had just beheld as a man's foot tramples an ant hill and again every instinct of his being urged him to pray while from his oppressed heart the imploring cry rose through the darkness eli eli great god most high thou knowest for i have told thee and thine all-seeing eye must perceive it spite of the darkness of this night the strait of thy people whom thou hast promised to lead into a new country 
remember thy vow jehovah be merciful unto us thou great and mighty one our foe is approaching with resistless power stay him save us protect the poor women and children save us be merciful to us during this prayer he had raised his eyes heavenward and saw on the summit of baal zephon a red blaze of fire it had been lighted by the phoenicians to make the baal of the north wind favorable to the men of kindred race and hostile to the hated egyptians this was a kindly deed but he put his trust in another god and as his eye glanced over the vault of heaven and noted the gray and black storm clouds scurrying gathering parting and then rushing in new directions he perceived between two dispersing masses of clouds the silvery light of the full moon which had now attained her zenith fresh anxiety assailed him for he remembered the prediction of men skilled in the changes of winds and waves if the sea should now return to its ancient bed his people would be lost for there was no escape even toward the north where deep pools of water were standing amid the mire and cliffs should the waves flow back within the next hour the seed of abraham would be effaced from the earth as writing inscribed on wax disappears from the tablet under the pressure of a warm hand yet was not this people thus marked for destruction the nation which the lord had chosen for his own could he deliver it into the hand of those who were also his own foes no no a thousand times no and the moon which was to cause this destruction had but a short time before been the ally of his flight and favored him only let him keep up his hope and faith and not lose confidence nothing nothing was lost as yet come what might the whole nation need not perish and his own tribe which marched at the head of the procession certainly would not for many must have reached the opposite shore nay perhaps more than he supposed for the bay was not wide and even the lepers the last of the train had already advanced some distance across the wet sand ephraim now remained alone behind them all to listen to the approach of the hostile chariots he laid his ear to the ground on the shore of the bay and he could trust to the sharpness of his hearing how often in this attitude he had caught the distant tramp of stray cattle or while hunting the approach of a herd of antelopes or gazelles as the last he was in the greatest danger but what cared he for that how gladly he would have sacrificed his young life to save the others since he had held in his hands the leader's staff it seemed as if he had assumed the duty of watching over his people so he listened and he listened till he could hear a slight trembling of the ground and finally a low rumble that was the foe that must be pharaoh's chariots and how swiftly the proud steeds whirled them forward springing up as if a lash had struck him he dashed on to urge the others to hasten how oppressively sultry the air had grown spite of the raging storm which extinguished so many torches the moon was concealed by clouds but the flickering flame on the summit of the lofty height of baal zephon blazed brighter and brighter the sparks that rose from the midst of the flames glittered as they swept westward for the wind now came more from the east scarcely had he noticed this when he hurried back to the boys bearing pans of pitch who closed the procession to command them in the utmost haste to fill the copper vessels afresh and see that the smoke rose in dense heavy clouds for he said to himself 
the storm will drive the smoke into the faces of the stallions who draw the chariots and frighten or stop them no means seemed to him too insignificant every moment that could be gained was precious and as soon as he had convinced himself that the smoke clouds were pouring densely from the vessels and making it difficult to breathe in the air of the path over which the people had passed he hurried forward shouting to the elders whom he overtook that pharaoh's chariots were close at hand and the march must be hastened at once pedestrians bearers drivers and shepherds exerted all their strength to advance faster and though the wind which blew more and more from the east impeded their progress all struggled stoutly against it and dread of their approaching pursuers doubled their strength the youth seemed to the heads of the tribes who nodded approval wherever he appeared like a shepherd dog guarding and urging the flock and when he had slipped through the moving bands and battled his way forward against the storm the east wind bore to his ears as if in reward a strange shout for the nearer he came to its source the louder it rang and the more surely he perceived that it was a cry of joy and exultation the first that had burst from a hebrew's breast for many a long day it refreshed ephraim like a cool drink after long thirsting and he could not refrain from shouting aloud and crying joyously to the others saved saved two tribes had already reached the eastern shore of the bay and were raising the glad shouts which with the fires blazing in huge pans on the shore kindled the courage of the approaching fugitives and braced their failing strength ephraim saw by their light the majestic figure of moses on a hill by the sea extending his staff over the waters and this spectacle impressed him like all the other fugitives from the highest to the lowest more deeply than aught else and strongly increased the courage of his heart this man was indeed the trusted servant of the most high and as long as he held his staff uplifted the waves seemed spellbound and through him god forbade their return he ephraim need no longer appeal to the omnipotent one that was the appointed task of this great and exalted personage but he must continue to fulfil his little duty of watching the progress of individuals back against the stream of fugitives to the lepers and torch-bearers he hastened shouting to each division saved saved they have gained the goal moses's staff is staying the waves many have already reached the shore thank the lord forward that you too may join the rejoicing fix your eyes on the two red beacons the rescued ones lighted them the servant of the lord is standing between them with uplifted staff then kneeling on the wet sand he again pressed his ear to the ground and now heard distinctly close at hand the rattle of wheels and the swift beat of horses hooves but while still listening the noise gradually ceased and he heard nothing save the howling of the furious storm and the threatening dash of the surging waves or a single cry borne by the east wind the chariots had reached the dry portion of the bay and lingered some time ere they continued their way along this dangerous path but suddenly the egyptian war cry rang out and the rattle of wheels was again heard they advanced more slowly than before but faster than the people could walk for the egyptians also the road remained dry but if his people only kept a short distance in advance he need feel no anxiety during the night the rescued tribes could disperse among the mountains and hide in places where no chariots nor horses could follow 
Moses knew this region where he had lived so long as a fugitive. It was only necessary to inform him of the close vicinity of the foe. So he trusted one of his playfellows of the tribe of Benjamin with the message, and the latter had not far to go to reach the shore. He himself remained behind to watch the approaching army, for already, without stooping or listening, spite of the storm raging around him, he heard the rattle of wheels and the neighing of the horses. But the lepers, whose ears also caught the sound, wailed and lamented, feeling themselves in imagination flung to the ground, crushed by the chariots, or crowded into a watery grave, for the pathway had grown narrower, and the sea seemed to be trying in earnest to regain the land it had lost. The men and cattle could no longer advance in ranks as wide as before, and while the files of the hurrying bodies narrowed, they lengthened, and precious time was lost. Those on the right were already wading through the rising water in haste and terror, for already the commands of the Egyptian leaders were heard in the distance. But the enemy was evidently delayed, and Ephraim easily perceived the cause of their diminished speed, for the road constantly grew softer and the narrow wheels of the chariots cut deeply into it and perhaps sank to the axles. Protected by the darkness, he glided forward toward the pursuers as far as he could and heard here a curse, yonder a fierce command to ply the lash more vigorously. At last, he distinctly heard one leader exclaim to the man next to him, A cursed folly! If they had only let us start before noon, and not waited until the omen had been consulted, and Anna had been installed with all due solemnity in Bai's place, it would have been easy work, and we should have caught them like a flock of quail. The chief priest was wont to bear himself stoutly in the field, and now he gives up the command because a dying woman touches his heart? Sipta's mother, said another soothingly. Yet, after all, twenty princesses ought not to have turned him from his duty to us. Had he remained, there would have been no need of scourging our steeds to death, and that, at an hour when every sensible leader lets his men gather round the campfires to eat their suppers and play draughts. Look at the horses, Heder. We are fast in the sand again. The loud outcry rose behind the first chariot, and Ephraim heard another voice shout, Forward, if it costs the horses their lives! If return were possible, said the commander of the chariot soldiers, a relative of the king, I would go back now. But as matters are, one would tumble over the other. So forward, whatever it may cost. We are close at their heels. Halt! Halt! That accursed stinging smoke! Wait, you dogs! As soon as the pathway widens, we'll run them down with scant ceremony, and may the gods deprive me of a day of life for each one I spare! another torch out one can't see one's hands before one's face at a time like this a beggar's crutch would be better than a leader's staff and an executioner's noose around the neck rather than a gold chain said another with a fierce oath if the moon would only appear again because the astrologers predicted that it would shine in full splendor from evening till morning i myself advised the late departure turning night into day if it were only lighter but this sentence remained unfinished, for a gust of wind, bursting like a wild beast from the southeastern ravine of Mount Baal Zephon, rushed upon the fugitives, and a high wave drenched Ephraim from head to foot. Gasping for breath, he flung back his hair and wiped his eyes, but loud cries of terror rang from the lips of the Egyptians behind him, 
for the same wave that struck the youth had hurled the foremost chariots into the sea. Ephraim began to fear for his people, and while running forward to join them, a brilliant flash of lightning illumined the bay, Mount Baal Zephon, and every surrounding object. The thunder was somewhat long in following, but the storm soon came nearer, and at last the lightning no longer flashed through the darkness in zigzag lines, but in shapeless sheets of flame, and ere they faded, the deafening crash of the thunder pealed forth, reverberating in wild uproar amid the hard, rocky precipices of the rugged mountain, and dying away in deep, muttering echoes along the end of the bay and the shore. Whenever the clouds, menacing destruction, discharged their lightnings, sea and land, human beings and animals, far and near, were illumined by the brilliant glare, while the waters and the sky above were tinged with a sulphurous yellow hue, through which the vivid lightning shone and flamed through as a wall of yellow glass. Ephraim now thought he perceived that the blackest thunder clouds came from the south and not from the north, but the glare of the lightning showed behind him a span of frightened horses rushing into the sea. One chariot shattered against another, and farther on, several jammed firmly together to the destruction of their occupants, while they barred the progress of others. Yet the foe still advanced, and the space which separated pursued and pursuers did not increase. But the confusion among the latter had become so great, that the warriors' cries of terror, and their leaders' shouts of encouragement and menace, were distinctly heard whenever the fierce crashing of the thunder died away. Yet black as were the clouds on the southern horizon, fiercely as the tempest raged, the gloomy sky still withheld its floods, and the fugitives were wet, not with the water from the clouds, but by the waves of the sea, whose surges constantly dashed higher and more and more frequently, washed the dry bed of the bay. Narrower and narrower grew the pathway, and with it the end of the procession. Meanwhile, the flames blazing in the pitch pans continued to show the terrified fugitives the goal of escape and remind them of Moses and the staff God had given him. Every step brought them nearer to it. Now a loud shout of joy announced that the tribe of Benjamin had also reached the shore, but they had at last been obliged to wade and were drenched by the foaming surf. It had cost unspeakable effort to save the oxen from surging waves, get the loaded carts forward and keep the cattle together. But now man and beast stood safe on the shore. Only the strangers and the lepers were still to be rescued. The latter possessed no herds of their own, but the former had many, and both sheep and cattle were so terrified by the storm that they struggled against passing through the water, now a foot deep on the road. Ephraim hurried to the shore, called on the shepherds to follow him, and under his direction they helped drive the herds forward. The attempt was successful, and amid the thunder and lightning, greeted with loud cheers, the last man and the last head of cattle reached the land. The lepers were obliged to wade through water rising to their knees, and at last to their waists, and ere they had gained the shore, the sluices of heaven opened and the rain poured in torrents. Yet they too arrived at the goal, and though many a mother, who had carried her child a long time in her arms or on her shoulder, fell upon her knees exhausted on the land, and many a hapless sufferer who, aided by a stronger companion in misery, had dragged the carts through the yielding sand, or wading in the water carrying a litter, 
felt his disfigured head burn with fever, they too escaped destruction. They were to wait beyond the palm trees, whose green foliage appeared on the hilly ground at the edge of some springs near the shore. The others were to be led into the country to begin, at a given signal, the journey toward the southeast into the mountains, through whose inhospitable stony fastnesses a regular army and the war chariots could advance only with the utmost difficulty. Hur had assembled his shepherds, and they stood armed with lances, slings, and short swords, ready to attack the enemy who ventured to step on shore. Men and horses were to be cut down, and a high wall was to be made of the fragments of the chariots to bar the way of the pursuing Egyptians. The pans of burning pitch on the shore were shielded and fed so industriously that neither the pouring rain nor the wind extinguished them. They were to light the shepherds who had undertaken to attack the chariot soldiers, and were commanded by old Nun, Hur, and Ephraim. But they waited in vain for the pursuers, and when the youth, first of all, perceived by the light of the torches, that the way by which the rescued fugitives had come was now a wide sea, and the smoke was blown toward the north instead of the southwest. It was at the time of the first morning watch. His heart, surcharged with joy and gratitude, sent forth the jubilant shout, Look at the pans! The wind has shifted! It is driving the sea northward! Pharaoh's army has been swallowed by the waves! The group of rescued Hebrews remained silent for a short time, but suddenly Nun's loud voice exclaimed, he has seen a right, children. What are we mortals? Lord, Lord, stern and terrible art thou in judgment upon thy foes. Here loud cries interrupted him, for at the springs, where Moses leaned exhausted against a palm tree, and Aaron was resting with many others, the people had also perceived what Ephraim had noticed, and from lip to lip ran the glad, terrible, incredible, yet true tidings, which each passing moment more surely confirmed. Many an eye was raised toward the sky, across which the black clouds were rushing farther and farther northward. The rain was ceasing. Instead of the lightning and thunder, only a few pale flashes were seen over the isthmus and the distant sea at the north, while in the south the sky was brightening. At last the setting moon emerged from the gray clouds, and her peaceful light silvered the heights of Baal Zephon, and the shore of the bay, whose bottom was once more covered with tossing waves. The raging, howling storm had passed into the low sighings of the morning breeze, and the sea, which had dashed against the rocks like a roaring wild beast, now lay quivering with broken strength at the stone base of the mountain. For a short time the sea still spread a dark pall over the many Egyptian corpses, but the paling moon, ere her setting, splendidly embellished the briny resting place of a king and his nobles, for her rays illumined and bordered their coverlet, the sea, with a rich array of sparkling diamonds in a silver setting. While the east was brightening and the sky had clothed itself in the glowing hues of dawn, the camp had been pitched, but little time remained for a hasty meal, for shortly after sunrise, the gong had summoned the people, and as soon as they were gathered near the springs, Miriam swung her timbrel, shaking the bells and striking the calfskin till it resounded again. As she moved lightly forward, the women and maidens followed her in the rhythmic step of the dance, but she sang, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. 
the lord is my strength and song he is become my salvation he is my god and i will prepare him a habitation my father's god and i will exalt him the lord is a man of war the lord is his name pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea his chosen captains also are drowned in the red sea the depths have covered them they sank into the bottom as a stone thy right hand o lord is become glorious in power thy right hand o lord hath dashed in pieces the enemy and in the greatness of thine excellency thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee thou sendest forth thy wrath which consumed them as stubble and with the blast of thy nostrils the waters were gathered together the flood stood upright as a heap and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea the enemy said i will pursue i will overtake i will divide the spoil my lust shall be satisfied upon them i will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them thou didst blow with thy wind the sea covered them they sank as lead in the mighty waters who is like unto thee o lord among the gods who is like thee glorious in holiness fearful in praises doing wonders thou stretchest out thy right hand the earth swallowed them thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation men and women joined in the song when she repeated the words i will sing unto the lord for he hath triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea this song and this hour of rejoicing were never forgotten by the hebrews and each heart was filled with the glory of god and the glad and grateful anticipation of better happier days End of chapter 22